In today's rapidly changing world, we all have questions and we all want answers. It's on this program that we get our answers from the Word of God. It's time for another episode of A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author, Carl Gallup. Welcome to A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. Pastor Carl is from the Hickory Hammock Baptist Church in the northern part of Florida, around Pensacola area, and I'm Kevin King. Carl, I know that uh, we're going to be visiting a passage of the Bible that we've all heard several times. Now, this mm-hmm. passage, I associate it mostly with funerals. Yeah, that, you yeah. know what? You're right. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, and, but and, you're right. You know, is it a house, in my father's house, in many rooms? And yeah, all, okay, yeah. but you're going to take... A, a, a portion of this scripture uh-huh. that I have not really paid attention to that much. And and you and I were talking about yeah, it just a little it, bit before just, the program. And then you're going to, you're going to shed some light on this yes. and it's, it's going to be interesting. And then you're going to make it relevant to how we walk and how we live today. As always. Yeah. Normally I wouldn't, but Hey, the title of the show is a relevant word. So, you know, I make <laughs> perfect sense. Carl. Yeah. yeah. No, of course my heart's desire always when I preach and teach is at the end of the message, I always ask myself, so what? What does it mean to their life? So I will make it relevant. I promise you guys. But anyway, thank you for that. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate it. And it's good to be with you. Yeah, listen, I'm going to talk to you guys this morning about uh, John chapter 14. Now, I I don't want to talk down to anybody. I know there are some people that are brand new in the word, some people that maybe never have even you know, looked at the Bible that much, but you're tuning in to hear this crazy preacher. Well, thank you for tuning in. God bless you. But uh, John 14, for those that have been students of the Word for a while, is extremely familiar to to many, many uh, uh, Christians. And, and it's a passage of Scripture where, well, it begins with Jesus saying, listen, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many And the King James says mansions, other translations, newer translations say things like dwelling places or, or, uh, you know, sometimes they say rooms. Why? Well, because that Greek word that's used there doesn't literally mean mansion. In fact, the way it, what it means is a dwelling place. But then when he goes on to say, and I will go and prepare a place for you, that word place in Greek means a region or a seat of authority. So you can understand. When you put those two words together, it does mean a whole lot more than just kicking back on the front porch of a mansion the rest of your life <laughs> and the rest of eternity. So it's deeper than that. So I'm not knocking translations that say mansion and even translations that say room. That's correct. But when you take the whole thing, you begin to understand that what Jesus is saying, oh, man, you guys don't even have a clue. What lies ahead for you on the other side? I've got a place, a dwelling place. I've got I've got a job for you. Uh, we're going to do other things in the cosmos, and we're going to do it together, and and you will have a seat of authority in the midst of it all. I mean, that's amazing when you think about that. But that's not even the topic of where I'm going, but that's the passage. It's in John 14. Now, before I go to the topic, I want to give you more context. John is the only gospel writer that gives five chapters about the Lord's Supper. Five. It starts chapter 13. He's, he's, that's the last time he'll share a meal with his disciples. They're in Jerusalem. They're going to go to the upper room. You can see that. Chapter 13 opens, and it says that. 
And then you discover the chapter 13, all of it, chapter 14, all of it, chapter 15, all of it, chapter 16, all of it, chapter 17, all of it. They're still in that upper room and they're still at the Lord's Supper. Jesus prays with them. He washes their feet. He tells them what that's about. He gives this speech that I'm getting ready to go through here in John 14 and and many other things, but you need to know that. All the other uh, gospels speak about the Lord's Supper. They give a few sentences, and most of them give a few paragraphs, but John gives us five chapters. He was there, of course, and now he's writing the last gospel, and he wants to focus in on this thing. Why? It's because of what I'm getting ready to show you. I'm convinced. This is a huge part of why John took five chapters to help them get their heads wrapped around this. So let's go to chapter 14 in our minds, and and now um, follow along with me. I know some of you are driving. Some of you are kind of walking around the house doing things and listening. And so thank you for that. Thank you for giving me that attention. Uh, So you don't maybe you might not have a Bible in your hand to follow along word by word, but just just listen. I'll paraphrase it so that you can enjoy it that way. So in John, by the time we get to John chapter 14, Jesus has been talking with his disciples about why he's there. Basically, he hasn't used the words, you know, literally, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to do this on purpose. But he's he's been saying things like that for three years of his ministry. But now he's getting them prepared for what they're getting ready to witness within hours And he knows it's going to be heartbreaking to him, and he knows it's going to be tough. So he's talking to them about that, and they're becoming visibly disturbed. And so that's when Jesus says, verse 1 of chapter 14, but let not your hearts be troubled. And he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Now, that's an important phrase. We just gloss over that sometimes, say, well, oh, how sweet, how pretty. Yeah, well... What if I said that as a pastor from the pulpit on a Sunday morning? Do you believe in God? Yay. Okay, good. You can believe in me then. Well, well, Carl, what are you what are you trying to say there? Are you like equal to God or like right up next to him and we're not? What does that mean? But Jesus said that. You believe in God? You can believe in me. And then he says, "And in my Father's house are many dwelling places." And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, you can be also. And that's when Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas because he's always questioning, you know, what what do you mean by that? What do you mean by this? And Thomas says in John chapter 14, he's recorded as saying, but what do you mean? Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way to where you're going. We don't even know the way. What are you talking about? And that's where that famous passage of scripture comes where Jesus answers Thomas, and he said, Thomas, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. Now, again, if I stood in the pulpit on Sunday morning and I said those things about myself, I am the way, me, Carl Gallops, I am the truth, I am the life, and nobody's getting to heaven unless you come through me. What? Okay, I can see the headlines of the newspapers now. I can hear the radio broadcast. Cult leader out there in northwest Florida declares he's God. Well, that's what Jesus was doing. He was saying, listen, 
you, you don't know who I am yet, but when you see me rise from the dead, you're going to have a much better understanding. And then you're going to realize what I did by taking your sin upon myself on the cross that you witnessed. He's building up to all that, but he doesn't want to hit him in the face with a wet dish rag and just like, you know, knock them all out. So he's just slowly moving into it, but he's answering their questions. But even that, Kevin, is not where I'm going because you know where I'm going. Because the next thing that happens, Philip steps up and Philip said, Lord, and, and that means, you know, uh, he's giving him great respect, um, you know, our master, our teacher. He said, Lord, it, look, just can you do this? Can you show us the Father? If you could just show us the Father, then we could believe, then, then our hearts would be settled. Can you show us the Father? All right, now wait. First of all, I'm not getting on to Philip, but Philip's been with Jesus for three years. And who has Philip heard say to Jesus for three years, show us a sign from heaven, open the heavens, show us your Father, show us the throne of God, then we'll believe you. It's the, been the religious elite, the Pharisees, the people that are getting ready to crucify him, Peter is now, I'm sure he means it in a whole different context and with a different heart, but he's using the very same words that the Pharisees used. Show us the Father, and then we will believe you, Lord. Wait a minute, Philip. Uh, This is what he says. Have you been with me so long that you still don't know who I am? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. All right, let's examine that for a moment. Again, the quick way to say, well, what does he mean by that? Well, put those words in my mouth on a Sunday morning from my pulpit. (laughs) You're a guest, you're there visiting, and I say, well, listen, you guys want to hear from God this morning? Amen, amen. You want to see him in in your mind's eye? Amen, amen. Now, there's a context that you're thinking, okay, he's going to open the word and preach, and and, and in our hearts we're going to feel and see God. But then I say to you, If you've seen me, you've seen God. (laughs) Okay, so this is two or three times that Jesus is making it clear sweetly. He's not beating his chest saying, I'm God. Because by saying I'm God, he's also saying, I'm your creator. (laughs) I'm the one that breathed into Adam's nostrils. I'm the one that spoke and and the universe was formed. I am the great I am. Now, That's what he's saying, but he's being very gentle and very careful because that's too much for a human being to wrap their minds around 2,000 years ago. Kevin, they were still riding camels. It's too much for us to wrap our minds around if he were here in the flesh, you know, some guy among us for three years, but he's doing these wonderful things. But yet he says, no, 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 I'm your creator. (laughs) Oh, wow. So he didn't say that, but he did. By using that language, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Jesus says, and if you can't wrap your heads around that, now, of course, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't use that modern term, terminology, but he basically says to Philip and the other disciples, if you guys can't wrap your heads around what I just said, he said, then at least believe in me because of the miracles I did among you. Believe in me for that. Now listen, on the other side of this quick break, I'm going to show you some things that probably will shock you from the scriptures 
And I'm going to show you exactly what Jesus meant by that. Because I know some of you are saying, well, that's right. You know, he did some pretty cool miracles, man. He, he spoke to some leprous people, and they were healed, and he did this, and he did that. That's pretty cool. So I already know, Pastor. I know where you're going. I don't think you do. I want you to hang on. Am I right, Kevin? Oh, yeah. yeah uh, okay. No okay. Because okay. <laughs> we had a long discussion beforehand when I shared all this with you. So anyway, thanks for listening, folks. But Kevin, go ahead, man. Right after the break, we will uh, find out how this is relevant in our lives. This is Irrelevant Words with Pastor Carl Gallops. We'll be right back. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. For more on Pastor Carl or to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Welcome back to Irrelevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. And leading up to this second segment here, Carl, you gave us a challenge. You said, because we think we we got an idea where you might be going. And you say, you may think you have an idea where I'm going, but, the, but you don't. But you probably don't. Probably yeah. don't. There may be some. When I get there, they're going to say, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. yeah I but I, I think anybody that's a student of the Word, when they hear what I'm going to say, they're going to say, yeah, I knew that. But yeah. I, I never really put the two and the two and the two together and got six. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm going to do. Now, some also, people – go ahead. No, I – Yeah. Okay. But but now some people will will not have um, uh, un, you know thought about these things or even known these things, and that's cool too. So anyway, it was a little teaser. sounded a little arrogant, but, but I think there's an awful lot of truth in it. So anyway, Kevin, thank you for making me look bad in front of my audience. Anyway <laughs> – Kevin's just shaking his head like you, you nut. Okay, but watch. Here's the deal. I left off with Philip saying to Jesus, just show us the Father. Show us the Father. And and then Jesus said to him, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then I use the illustration. What if I said that from the pulpit? What would you think I was saying? Well, that's what Jesus was saying. I'm God. You've, you've seen me. You've seen God. Now, when you think about that again, like I said in the first segment, I mean, this is this is their creator standing in front of them. That's what he's saying. I'm the one that created all this. I was there. I breathed into Adam's nostrils. This whole universe was my idea, and I spoke it into creation. And now I've put on flesh. I am what John would later write. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. What's that? Dwelling place, you know, household, family, you know, in my house or in my father's house are many dwelling places. So, so he's trying to get all of this in and at the same time not to freak them totally out. And so he says, and if you can't wrap your heads around the fact that if you've seen me, you've seen God, he said, I want to remind you of something, Philip, and all of you disciples. If you can't wrap your head around the depth of what I'm saying, then believe in me because of the miracles I did. All right, now, why would he say that? Here is why. And when you get this, you go, oh, my gosh. Because he was referring Philip to four or five, and there are more than four or five, but I've only got time for three or four or five to talk about things that the Old Testament, now remember, we call it the Old Testament. In Jesus' day, it was the Word of God. And, and the disciples would have all grown up in synagogues where what we call the Old Testament was read and preached and expounded upon and interpreted. Um, and so 
they would know these things if somebody reminded them, and this is what Jesus was getting them to think about. That is, in the Old Testament, I'm going to call it that, but Jesus and they would not have called it that. But in the Word of God, in the Old Testament, there are four or five things, many, many more than that, that the Bible says only God himself can do these things. You say, Carl, what are you talking about? Okay, let me give you some examples. The Bible says over and over and over, only God can open the eyes of the blind. Now, sometimes the context of that is spiritual eyes. Only he, through the Holy Spirit, can make a person see, and I'm making air quotes right now, you know, in your mind's eye. But he also speaks of it in the very physical sense. A person who is blind, maybe blind from birth or just blind for whatever reason. Maybe they've lost their eyes, maybe disease. They're just blind, permanently blind. And the Bible says only God can open the eyes of the blind. In that context, it says that. What did Jesus do? Six times the Gospels record, and he probably did more than this. Even John ends his Gospel by saying, I can't even list all the miracles Jesus did. We don't have room for everything he did, everything he said, all that he preached, all that he revealed to us. I don't have room for it. So what you read in those Gospels are just examples of things that he did to show you who he is, who he was, who he is, and forevermore shall be. So, so when he says that, at least believe me for the miracles. And so in their minds, they were going back, well, yeah, okay, and you did this and you did that, and you opened the eyes of the blind. Wow, that's right. And we saw it five or six times. In fact, one time in John chapter 9 is recorded where he opened the eyes of a man born blind, congenital defect, congenital blindness. Never in history had that been done until Jesus stepped on the scene. Never. There's nothing recorded in any historical record of a person being born blind and a person just comes up and speaks to them or puts a little mud on their eyes and says, go wash in that pool over there and you'll see. And he comes away seeing and shouting and dancing and singing in the streets and and raising ruckus in the whole city of Jerusalem. Think of the witnesses that were there. It was a major holiday. It was Passover. Excuse me. No, that that would have been the Feast of Tabernacles when all of that happened. So, I mean, there would have been a million and a half people in the city. Not all of them witnessed that, but tens of thousands of people did. But that had never been done before. It can't be done. It can't be done. We, We don't have the technology now to take somebody born blind or without eyes and all of a sudden make them see with perfect vision and give them new eyes, and we we can't do it. Jesus did it, and the Bible records it. That's what he's telling Philip to remember. He's telling him, uh, "Do you, you were in the boat, weren't you, Philip, when I walked on the water, when I stood up in the bow and spoke to the wind, and they obeyed me, the wind and the waves? Well, folks, listen to me. You can check me out. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to paraphrase. Job chapter 9 says it. Psalm chapter 77 says it. Psalm chapter 107 says it. Proverbs chapter 30 says it. Go read those. Job 9, Psalm 77, Psalm 107, Proverbs 30. Go read those and you will come across the passages within those those, uh, discourses where where it says, and I'm going to paraphrase and lump them all together except Proverbs 30. I'm going to go back to it because it's got a really special treat for you. But every one of them say, only God can walk upon the waters and not leave a footprint. Only God can speak to the wind and it will obey him. 
Only God can tread through the seas and walk upon the tops of the waves. Only God. Over and over through the Old Testament, and then comes a man, a mere man in the eyes of the world. This is God in the flesh. This is the word that became flesh. This is the creator who has visited us, who has lived among us. And what does he do with the disciples? He sends them out into Lake Galilee, knowing a storm is coming. Well, how does he know? Because he knows everything. He's God. (laughs) And he sends them out. And the storm comes up. And those guys are seasoned fishermen. But the storm was so horrible, they were screaming in terror for their lives. They thought they were all going to die. That must have been a heck of a storm. And they look through the mist of that night and the darkness, and it comes a shadowy figure. And the Bible says they thought they were seeing a ghost or something. I mean, it, it's, it terrified them. And then he shouted out, be not afraid. That's what he said that same night, be not afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. But on that night previously, he had said, be not afraid, it is I. Lord, is that really you? Even Peter said, if that's you, tell me to come out there. And so you know the rest of those accounts There's several accounts of him calming the wind and the waves. He was in the boat that time, and yet they were in the middle of a storm. They woke him up. He got up. He went to the bow of the boat. He said, cease, peace, be still. And instantly it stopped. Now, you got to think, yeah, but there were really no witnesses there. Excuse me. This is like Galilee. I know there were only the disciples there, but these kinds of storms, people who lived all around the lake knew it. And they also knew that somehow they didn't know why until the disciples got back on shore and told them. But instantly, it stopped. It didn't just calm down, and after 30 minutes or an hour, it went away, and the front moved through. No. They were in the middle of a raging storm all in all these towns and villages around it, and instantly, at the mouth of Jesus Christ, peace be still. Whew, it stops. So much so that it, the Bible records that even the disciples were shocked and said, Who is this? Who is this guy? that speaks to the wind and the waves, and they obey him. So the Bible says only God can do that. Only God can open the eyes of the blind. Watch this. Only God can create something out of nothing with his voice. And God said, let there be, and there was. Let there be living things, and there was. Let there be dry land, and there was. Let there be vegetation, and there was. Let there be, let there be. What happened when he fed the 10,000? Now again, 10,000 witnesses. 10,000 witnesses. Nothing in history is written from somebody that was a witness there that day that said, no, that didn't happen. These guys are lies. Nothing. Yet there are historical sources outside the Bible that at least attest to the fact, maybe they weren't there, but they're saying, man, people all over the empire are talking about they were there. Some of them were there. They said that this happened. And so that's recorded. And then we have the Gospels that just flat out recorded that he took up 12 baskets with nothing in them (laughs) and said, take them, pass around, feed them. What? What? Just do what I say. And they took up, well, more than 12 baskets, but they took up 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards, after feeding 10,000 people. Witnessed by, this is not just some Bible story made up, some mythology. I mean, these gospels were written during the time of the lives of all these people. Surely, if they told that lie, surely that would have gone all over the empire and there would have been all kinds of decrees and pamphlets and scrolls and books written about it. Nothing, nothing. But we have the Gospels recorded. That's what he was telling him to look at. Only God can speak and create something out of nothing right before your eyes. Only God can walk upon the waters. Only God can speak to the wind and the waves, the very elements he created and commanded. 
Only God, by his voice, can raise the dead. What did Jesus do? He raised a little girl of a, of a synagogue president. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Then he raised himself from the dead and presented himself alive to over 500 witnesses. Paul talks about it one time, and he did that for 40 days. I mean, I could go on and on and on with the things that only God could do. Jesus did them over and over and over. And he was subtly, quietly, and powerfully saying, if you've seen me, you're looking at the Father. But the Lord, show us the Father, and then we'll believe you. Philip, if you, you don't know who I am yet, after three years, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you can't wrap your head around that, remember the miracles I did. Folks, here's the relevancy. Remember whose child you are. If you belong to Jesus Christ, that's your heavenly papa. That's your heavenly daddy. That is your father who is in heaven. Jesus Christ, the word that became flesh. You can put your faith in him, your trust in him. You can walk with him and your victory is in Jesus. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Carl. We really appreciate you shedding a a new light on that passage. This has been A Relevant Word with Pastor Carl Gallops. Thank you so much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you always. Now more than ever, we need to listen to God. He still speaks through His Word, the Bible. Each week, Pastor Gallops shares what the Word of God is saying, even now. A Relevant Word with longtime pastor and best-selling author Carl Gallops. To access Pastor Carl and to listen to his podcast anytime, visit carlgallops.com. Thanks for listening.